Hello everyone and welcome to Fandom's Culture and Perhaps a Few Murders, where we discuss exactly that, Fandom's Culture and Perhaps a Few Murders. With me as always is Feline. Hello. And Al. Hey y'all. There's a phenomenon that's been attributed to such explanations as two or more realities merging, the existence of multiverses, or even fragments of memories that carry over from a previous time. Now I don't know about whether or not any of those apply, but there is no doubt that many tend to share what has been explained as a collective false memory of details or occurrences of events that is commonly known as the Mandela Effect. In today's episode, we will share some known and lesser known examples of the term named after the former South African leader. Take it away, Al. All right, y'all, the first one I'm going to do, it's literally me carbon dating myself. <laughs> I don't want to say carbon dating because apparently I'm old enough for that shit. But um, it's the Berenstain Bears. And I just, oh my God, I just, no matter how many times I practice, it's Berenstain Bears. Okay, so Berenstain Bears. My recollection feels like betrayed with this. So it's the Berenstain Bears. And I recall it as Berenstain. So the E-I-N at the end of it. But it's actually A-I-N. And regardless of how I can try to remember it, it's always in my head as Berenstain. I've read the books, the little golden leaf books that used to come in and those little gold, fake gold leaf on the corner of the books and shit like that. And then the cartoon itself with them coming out of the treehouse and all this shit. It, for me, it's like an emotional wound because my brain is telling me this is how it is and it's not. And it like, it weirds me out. It like puts sets bees in my bonnet. Like I can't let it go in some cases if I think about it because it's like barren staying, but it's such a little thing, but still like fucks my mental up. The other one, they have a couple because I went overachievement on this. The next one is one of my nerd favorites and it's C-3PO. Now everyone thinks that C-3PO is all gold, but he isn't. His right leg from the knee down is silver and always has been because he's a hodgepodge mix of things together created by Anakin. But everybody, even costume companies get it wrong. Like everybody gets it wrong. You ask them, what color is C-3PO? People be like, he's gold colored. No, he's gold colored with a silver right leg from the knee down. I'm not like a Star Wars fan like that. So I feel like visually kind of feeling like when I picture him, I picture him entirely gold. I feel like that's probably because I am just going along with what other people say because I haven't personally like, you know, watched them like that for me to have my own actual memory of it. And I am a Star Wars fan. And as big as I am a Star Trek fan, but I'm definitely a Star Wars fan. And like me, myself, do remember him being all gold. But I feel like it's a pattern thing. Like our brain will automatically fill in with, if he's mostly gold, he's going to be all gold. And then like, then looking back, it's just like, holy shit, he does have a right silver leg. The other one I wanted to do, because it's one of my favorite bands, it's Queen. Now, in the song, We Are the Champions, you ask anybody out there, and when they're belting it out, it's of the world at the end. And no, it's not it. It's we are the champions and then it ends. He doesn't say of the world in any recordings. The only time he has ever, ever, ever done of the world was one time during his famous Webley performance where Freddie Mercury sat there and said of the world. But every other performance, every other recording it stops is we are the champions. I think they even do that in um, actual like stadium stadiums. They don't play of the world version of it from the Webley. It's the radio recording. And it's We Are the Champions and it gets cut out. And then the audience, because of like OCD or like a completion thing, like they need to closure it. (laughs) They'll say, they say, of the world. My last but favorite one is of King Henry VIII of England. He was the king from April 21st, 1509 until his death. His most commonly depicted picture, he's tall dude, wide, heavyset guy, 
big puffy red shoulders. It's a red outfit. The famous painting, it's by Hans Holbein the Younger. He's depicted as standing tall and boisterous, dressed in king's attire. Now, in his hand, he's holding a pair of leather gloves. But if you ask people on the internet or try to recall the painting, people recall him holding a turkey leg. And I think it's really just how big he is. And, you know, just being like a king and indulgent. You know what I'm saying? But, like, everybody recalls him rocking a turkey leg. But in most of the paintings, he's stood in a certain way, holding something. And it's most of the cases it's a glove in the other hand he's holding like a scepter or a scabbard or something like that but everybody remembers depicting him with the turkey leg and i think that's the funniest shit i feel like in my mind it's like the kind of image of some sort of regal person or royal with like their overly ringed finger holding a piece of meat <laughs> i feel like i've always remembered seeing like portraits of him with his hands always on his hips or his waist or something you yeah, know, that's like a, it. He's, he's one, hand, one hand out, and then one hand is close to the hip. It's right by his waist, the secondary hand, and that's the hand holding the gloves. But everybody recalls it being a turkey leg instead. And it's so, I like, know. wide and commonly known, somebody actually, like, doctored one of the paintings to make it look like he was holding a turkey leg. I do vaguely remember, maybe like a small memory, of feeling like something that looked like a turkey leg was <laughs> in his hand. But I felt like, if I try to think about it, it would make no sense, you know, in like, a, especially since it would be like an official portrait. Why would you have that in your hand? I mean, think about it. In certain times, being able to eat certain kinds of foods was like a status thing. So you could say like, we're painting yourself with like fine wines and cheeses and foods is just showing how indulgent you are. The fact that you have this status where you can be indulgent like that and eat these things. I can see that being a thing, but usually whenever they have some sort of meal or drink, sometimes it would be like their person would be in the corner of the portrait with whatever notable guests are off to the side of the portrait. Usually there'd be a table with other indulgences on there. Very rarely a full body picture. It'd be like a gold bowl with like fruit and shit shit hamping off the side and like a pig stuff with an apple or something on the side. Can you imagine though? Like I just thought about it, but these types of portraits with them like having gold or these elaborate fine material clothings and shit. Is that the equivalent of a modern day like flex post, but it's a portrait? I think portraits themselves are meant to do that. And then like, you know what they did? They had the artist Photoshop as they went. So there's a lot of pictures that don't properly depict their subject as what they look like. And so back then they would sit there and create these paintings and have them commissioned and send them off to people that they're interested in for like marriage and shit like that. And they'd be like, oh, well, this is the person I'm going to be marrying. And then when they meet them in person, the jowl are a little wider the neck's a little bit thicker the tummy's a little bit wider and it's because they'll have artists purposely doctor the image and make them look better than they look i'm really amused by this idea of thinking of these old tiny portraits that were like painted by renaissance level artists and shit basically being the equivalent of posts and catfishing. Yeah, dude. That's what a lot of them was. I think it was Da Vinci or Michelangelo who sat there and had to do a lot of like court portraits and he wanted to draw them as they were and then because they would like have to repaint over certain sections and stuff like that, there's layers of painting underneath and you could sit there and scrape off layers if it was possible without affecting the one underneath you'd see like the different the versions that they had to go through before the person was happy because there were instances where they'd have to get rid of you know like 
like I said, jowls or buck teeth or make sure the person was posed like with a fan so that <laughs> like if someone was ugly enough, they'd have them pose with something to distract from the features and try to make that person look better. Now, see, Stalin was a man who was obsessed with public image and he would feel embarrassed and angry about it in order for him to keep up some sort of illusion that he was physically impressive. He never wanted to appear in photos that had people who were taller than him. He had some sort of defect with his left hand, so he'd fold his arms across his chest. It was so extreme that when a portrait painter had finally painted him looking the way he wanted himself to look, he immediately had every other painting of him destroyed and their painters just to be extra. That is some harsh criticisms right there. And I feel like a lot of rulers have like an issue with image and then they become just megalomaniac and then just, no, I look, I am the best looking person here and nobody can say anything otherwise. French artist Auguste Rodin crafted a pensive nude male sculpture famously known as The Thinker. The six foot bronze statue sits in the gardens of the Rodin Museum in Paris. He is seated on a rock, hunched over, chin rested on a relaxed hand, with mouth thrust on his knuckles. However, many tourists believe his right fist is pressed against his forehead. Books, both fiction and nonfiction, have also depicted it in that manner, thus adding to the confusion. Would you guys recall the thinkers and... I'm seeing it both right now, like in my head. I distinctly remember seeing a statue with him. I see it with his fist underneath his chin with his mouth not touching his hand. But the way you're saying it, his chin is resting on the front of the knuckles with the lips on the hand, right? His chin is resting on a relaxed open hand and not a fist. Oh, that's Weird. fucking my mind up altogether now. That's because the weirdest part of it. Because like not even the hand on the temple thing, because when I picture it, I picture, you know, chin on fist with arm crossed below it. But an open hand sounds so weird. I'm like doing that gesture myself feels bizarre. Yeah, that's fucking me up right now. I admit, I envision him, you know, his fist distinctly underneath his chin, but with his right arm on his hip as if like legitimately in some sort of contemplation mode or maybe like if somebody was bending down on a knee flexing you know what i'm saying and then putting that right arm in the back like on the hip so that's what i'm envisioning but like that's fucking me up you said it's an open palm it's a relaxed hand yeah not a closed fist get like the most fuck out of it that's fucking me up right now no it's supposed to be a closed fist my brain is not compute johnny five does not compute my brain is not functioning that right now it won't even like imagine it with the open palm because then it just gives me like high school girl vibes as if like it just needs to tilt to the head just hmm, thinking about tommy boy you know <laughs> i just i can't that's funny that's fucking up my mental open-handed damn rich uncle penny bags has been the mascot for a monopoly since the game's introduction but can you describe what he wears as his outfit it's a waistcoat with i think it's the dovetail in the back for the waistcoat yeah black slacks white top top hat i feel like i'm mixing up with the planter's peanut with the cane I feel like there's a monocle, but I feel, I also feel like I'm mixing that monocle up. So now I'm not 100% sure, now that you're asking me about, about him. Uh, like, I feel like there's a monocle and a cane involved, but I don't think there is. Top hat, puffy mustache, definitely tailed coat. Yes, the mustache, definitely. Despite being synonymous with the accessory, he has never had a monocle. Damn! I knew I was wrong. Now Mr. Peanut, of course, does. Yeah. Pics of him with it online exist due to people making fan art and such. However, for definitive proof, just look at the game box. Yeah, but like, what about any of the community chess cards? I feel like there could be something in there. 
I will mention that he did officially wear a monocle one time on the official Monopoly Facebook page back in 2016. I bet you it was just to fuck with people. Just... People tend to think that, you know, if someone is supposed to look like they're rich, then they're supposed to have a cane, top hat, a fancy monocle. I was going to say, a suit. like a top hat and monocle seem like they have to go together. I feel like the monocle mm -hmm. would be like a British thing. I mean, the penguin and had it. Being... Right, okay. Yeah, so, he does yeah. have the kind of penguin-ish design. Right, okay. So, like, does he have a dovetailed coat or is it just a flat coat? Because now I'm wondering what this motherfucker has. The money bags. Yeah, he has uh, tails in the back. Two, like, spokes in the back of the, the coat. So it's a split at the center. Yep. Okay. That is <laughs> giving me Sebastian Michaelis vibes for Black Butler. Okay, just making sure. Now I don't even know if he rocks a dovetail. I'm going to have to look that shit up. It's going to be a beam up on it. My contribution to the topic is one that I recently came across. I wasn't really familiar with this, but I also remember it, so it's weird. Scooby-Doo is a well-known cartoon series revolving around a group of four teens, also known as meddling kids, and their talking dog, who the show's named after. They solve mysteries in their psychedelic van, the Mystery Machine, and eat Scooby Snacks. While Shaggy and Scooby smoke weed in the back. Scooby Dooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> Very catchy theme song, too. Have you heard of anything revolving around them just off the top of your head? I have not. I've heard a lot of people's fan theories about, like, how Fred and Velma or one of the other ones are just imaginations for Shaggy and Scooby or some shit. Or, like, how they're actually on regular missions except for that's just visually done through Scooby-Doo. But then there's also lore where Shaggy's a gymnast and that's why he's always the one. He's the gymnast and track star. So that's why he's always one in the traps and Fred is always the strategist. So he, that's why he's always planning shit. And Shaggy and Scooby, they're runners. So that's why they're always the ones in the center of the traps running and shit like that. The doctors did say, fear makes you fast. Right. <laughs> fear makes you fast. <laughs> or it's more evidence of, like, you know, the whole weird thing where Shaggy's like a god-level opponent for some reason. Dog, that's always so funny the way they put him like, yo, Shaggy would be all like, a whole like level of people. I'm like, this motherfucker has shown that he is flexible and fast. There haven't been very many other instances where you could prove that Shaggy got this level of power somewhere. So where y'all coming from with that? I don't know. Now, since we're talking about Shaggy, can either of you describe him in detail? Give me a, his physical description. As oh, best yeah. He's a lanky-ass guy. He has a couple of tiny little beard hairs, like five of them, um, like tiny little spokes of like hair across the bottom. Brown hair, green top, yellow or orange pants. It's kind of fucking with me right now. Uh, straight leg type pants. Green shirt with rust orange type pants. And then in a different series, he wore a red shirt and had, I believe, blue version of those pants. I think that was like the... 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo or... That was like the monster one. Yeah. The, um, Where they're in that haunted house or yeah, whatever. The one that had Vincent Van Gogh as part of it. Yeah, I like that one. Anything that had like real creepy shit genuine into it, like the Ghoul Girls or whatever it was, that, yeah. that gothic chick band. Then the one where they were on the island with the werewolves or cat wolves, yeah. whatever they were, that was dope too. But I love me some Scooby-Doo. Even the What's New Scooby-Doo with the little kids and shit and red herring, that shit was fucking hilarious. Can y'all tell me about his neck? He got a long neck and a bump for Adam's apple, I think. See, what this particular effect is revolving around is his Adam's apple. Get the Because apparently, he never had one. No way! He absolutely <laughs> had a fucking Adam's apple bump. I remember that shit. Him <laughs> trying to swallow his shit. It's like, good, good, good. Or maybe it's the food. Because he'd be swallowing food whole, yeah. and they'll image his shit in his throat. Now I'm thinking, 
Did he not have an Adam's apple? He had to have had an Adam's apple. I remember him having an Adam's apple. I remember him having a bulging Adam's apple in the middle of his long ass thin neck. Right. With like two little hairs sticking off of it. Two little thin tiny hairs. See, I don't remember the hairs on the neck. I remember the hairs on the chin. And I remember just this bulbous fucking circle like on his neck. And now I can't remember whether or not it'd be like in relation to something he ate. Well, the only ever incidence of him ever having an Adam's apple would be like for a gulp of fear or when he is swallowing something he just ate. But majority of the time, he never had one. And those instances would be very, very brief. That's some f- my fuck shit right now. I do feel like I remember him not having an Adam's apple except for the aforementioned times of where they wanted to spotlight his hunger and or his fear. But I also do vaguely remember at least in some picture of that Adam's apple that had like the two hairs on it. See, the only ever evidence or like official versions of Shaggy where he had an Adam's apple was in an SNES game where it had, it was very pixelated. So you saw a tiny little bump in his neck compared to the other characters. I would never remember that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't yeah. remember the game either. It's definitely not what's influencing my memory. And then also one of the semi-more recent adaptations of Scooby-Doo, the Be Cool Scooby-Doo show. Yeah, I never watched that one. Yeah, I didn't watch that because it was ugly. The animation was gross. <laughs> I'm remembering a scene where, like, it was the, I, I want to call him the X-Ray Spaceman Ghost, where it was a spaceman outfit, and the helmet that had the um, the dome on it was just a skeleton on the inside. And he would go, ooh. And there was yeah. a scene where him and Scooby were together, and they heard the noise, the ooh. And it cut into his face, and the Adam's apple moved with it up and down. And that's what I'm distinctly remembering. And now that's fucking my mental that that might not have happened. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because, especially when I'm picturing it, I'm picturing him in like his original appearance, not any other style. And the Be Cool Scooby Doo, even though that's a more recent one, had completely different art styles. So there's no way that's messing with my memory at all, not as I see him. But it is interesting to note that. There are two other cartoons that did like kind of parodies of Scooby-Doo where their iteration or their version or their their shaggy type character did have a protruding Adam's apple. And that was Daria, which had a shaggy with an Adam's apple, but again, a completely different art style. And then the new adventures of Mighty Mouse, where they had like a Scooby-Doo parody episode and all the character designs were completely different. So there's definitely no way I'm picturing that as the one. But that iteration also had protruding Adam's apple. So it seems like... Different artists portray different shaggies. This girl said fucking Mighty Mouse. Here I come to save the day. I'm definitely carbon dating myself because I used to watch (laughs) Mighty Mouse too. And Chilly Willy the Penguin. Oh, I'm killing myself for how old I feel right now. I'm seeing this Adam's apple in every mental vision of Shaggy right now. Every time he's running... Because it's always a side shot, a side scrolling yeah. shot of this motherfucker just going. And I'm still seeing that bump. Like, yeah. <laughs> in my head right now, he's running with Scooby right now through random repeated fucking background scenes that they used to do with the fucking yeah. Flintstones. <laughs> and it's the motherfucking bump is still there. It's fucking my mind up that it isn't a fucking thing. Like, I didn't even know that this was up for debate until I did, like, research for this episode. I'm like, what do you mean he didn't have an Adam's apple? (laughs) My personal one that really messes with me, too, even though it's pretty well known, Pikachu and Pikachu's tail. If you think about Pikachu visually, it shouldn't be hard to conjure up an image, but what's Pikachu's tail look like? 
it's like a weird lightning bolt and now they added where like if it has a like a a curved bump at the end it's a female and if it's not curved bumped and it's solid straight like a lightning bolt it's a male i think there's some coloration on there somewhere isn't there yeah there's some coloration can yeah, you it's, describe it's, from memory the coloration i think it's yellow and there might be brown in there because doesn't he have a like brown somewhere on his body i feel like there's a charlie brown exactly. color mix in brown there stripe. brown stripes yeah black ear tips for some reason i think he has like color on the edge of his hands but i don't think that's right but like whenever i played pokemon uh, i don't remember watching the cartoon pokemon religiously i played more of the games when the cards came out and then the video game itself like red blue yellow back in the day i didn't like catching a pikachu because he was too mainstream for me and i didn't want to do <laughs> that I wanted to make it without a Pikachu every time. And I know Pikachu is the most popular thing. I feel like there's like a brown, Charlie Brown wave horizontally across the tail, maybe. Or maybe the tips have like a little bit of brown on them. I'm not sure. I feel like there's more than just yellow on the tail. There is more than just yellow. But what's up for debate is the tip color and like the color of Pikachu's tail. Now, I distinctly remember a black bar line of a tip black tip on Pikachu's yellow tail. If you look up Pikachu, you can find plenty of doctored images of that, but apparently it was never that way. There's only just a little bit of brown at the base of the tail and then the rest is entirely yellow. That shit's one of the things where I start to think like, nah, something changed, reality shifted because I did watch the cartoons growing up. I remember Ash going like, Pikachu, use Iron Tail and Pikachu doing the little backflip and hitting with its tail and there was a black fucking tip on the tail. I drew Pikachu as a lost kid with a black tip tail. How was it never that way? Now that I'm looking at pictures, I remember Fat Pikachu. Fat Pikachu was the one that I grew up with. Smaller red dots on the cheeks. This new Pikachu got like bad blush on. <laughs> looking at the pictures, it looks like too much yellow on the tail. It feels like it should be capped off with the black tip, especially with the ears. And I don't know if maybe the ears being black tipped is what kind of created this false memory, but like I drew pictures of Pikachu with the black tip tail. Like I said, I watched the cartoons and I have memories of that shit. When I first heard about that, I texted my sister, I'm like, yo, what does Pikachu's tail look like? What do you remember? I need to know because I couldn't, it couldn't just be me. <laughs> yeah, I see black tip Pikachu. Apparently it's all linked to Mandela effect. Yeah, that's so funny. weird. Alright guys, I have Am I the Asshole set up and ready to go. The first client, next airplane seat, and wife. Airplane seat. All right. Am I the asshole for taking my correct seat? I, 22 female, am traveling internationally today. It's an eight to nine hour flight and I'm traveling alone. Leaving my family this time had been hard and I'd been crying on and off the entire day. I had a window seat booked for my flight and I was looking forward to it. When I got there, a child was sitting in my seat and her dad in the middle seat. I looked at the dad and pointed at the window seat saying, I think that's my seat, expecting him to move. He looked at me and said, she's a child and pointed at the aisle seat suggesting I take it. Perplexed, I did and mentioned this to my dad. My dad called me and told me to get my seat because he paid for it and it wasn't a free seat. I then told the girl's father this and he asked her to move. She started crying and I felt terrible, but my dad told me to hold my ground. The girl moved and is sitting in the middle. I'm in my seat and I'm also sitting back so she can see out the window. Her dad has made one or two snide remarks about me wanting my seat, so I just wanted to know, am I the asshole for insisting on sitting in my seat? No. Yeah, no. I thought it was going to be maybe one of those things where 
the child would be separated from the father, which I could kind of get, like, you don't want to, it's weird for a kid to be sitting by themselves, especially on a plane, but, like, you're literally still sitting with your dad, you just want the window seat when it's not your seat, and for the man to automatically be like, it's a child, you sit there, when you fucking paid for your ticket, you're a grown-ass adult, you're not gonna tell me what the fuck to do, not with that kind of expectant attitude, it's a child, points at the seat over there, like, I'm obligated to sit there, no. I'm obligated to sit in the seat I paid for. How about you tell your kid to, that's not your seat, you have to move because that's the right thing to do. You're going to teach your kid that when they get older and they get into a situation, something that they have, whether it was rightfully gained by them or not, will be fine to just take. Right. That's some privilege mentality. And that's wrong. Don't teach your child to be a douche. On the real shit, it's the parents' fault. They know what they were doing when they were booking seats. They knew what they were doing when they sat that kid down. And there has been a fucking string of people who would think that just because they have a kid, that they can sit there and just take shit from other people or expect people to do that because it's a kid. And that's not how this fucking world works. People pay extra to get either the, um, the window seat or the aisle seat in some cases. If I had to pay more money for that, don't ask me to switch seats with nobody because it's not fucking happening. I already paid my money for it. And when you book the ticket, you should have booked a spot that had a fucking window to it. What gets me too is there have been other situations like you had mentioned where people won't fucking book tickets to sit together. That's not my fucking problem. And what will happen is somebody will book something in like a higher class, not necessarily first class, but business economy. I don't know what it is. I don't fly. I've never flown before. But I know that there's a tier, a hierarchy tier when it comes to the classes on the plane and the seats. So if somebody books like, say, business and business is better than economy. If somebody books a business and then their kid is in economy, they'd be like, hey, would you switch with my kid? Like, no, bitch, you switch with somebody in economy. Don't try to to upgrade your kid when I paid for the more fucking legroom, bitch. That's not how this shit works. Especially when it's clear that you're trying to get a deal and still wanted to have people bend to move your kid anyway. He was already there with his kid first before that woman got there, knowing what his seat numbers were and where his seat assignment was. He let his kid sit in somebody else's seat and then expected the fucking stranger to accommodate his kid because he didn't want to disappoint his cat. Listen, disappointment comes in the fucking world. I I never understood this shit. I sit there and tell my kid, listen, I'm not going to sit there and and give you bullshit. The world is going to fucking tell you no, and you can't have it way more fucking times than I will. Not to mention, like, if you're a person with a child on a plane or any kind of thing where they're going to have to sit still for hours, you should know better to bring them some sort of entertainment, some sort of distraction, not try to make it someone else's obligation to give a seat or anything else to keep your kid entertained. You know your child and you know what you have to do in situations like this. I think if they're above babies, because babies crying on planes, it's a different thing because babies... They're not used to the compression in the cabin as well as the height. It feels like their bones are pushing down and it's uncomfortable. And a baby can't vocally say, I'm uncomfortable. What can I do about this? The baby's just going to be like, wah, wah, I need help. Wah, what the fuck is going on? Wah, help me. Wah, I'm confused. You can't be mad at a baby like that because you were a fucking baby before. You know babies come on flights. And that's how the baby's feeling. The baby's feeling a compression from both the cabin pressure and the height of where you're at. So the baby's going to be uncomfortable. Don't complain about babies on flights. You're an asshole if you do. You're a grown-ass adult complaining about a fucking infant. Shut the hell up. And if you come out your neck, I'm going to come out my neck too, bitch. Because I am just as freely to talk shit as you are. I feel like him trying to make snide remarks. I'll bring the whole plane down. Don't fuck with me. No, I would be the rudest, most disrespectful side seat motherfucker ever. 
I'm just saying, don't start this shit unless you want me to go ten times over the line, because I will. In this corner of the universe, Marvel Studios delays the Marvels by four months. The film will now release on November 10th instead of July. What? The Marvels is getting pushed back for a month? Yes. Boo. I want to get it over with because I'm not a big Kamala Khan fan or how they've portrayed. I'm not happy how they've portrayed Kamala. No, nothing against the actress herself. I don't like what they're doing with the character. The actress, perfectly fine. Writing, not so much. But again, the whole like, I don't know, the mystical bracelet shit doesn't work for me because that's not how this shit works. Yeah. Yeah. The light projection thing. So weird. Uh, You're stretchy. Just be stretchy. uh, It makes my butt itch. I don't know any details about the movie that have been out because there seemingly hasn't been, but you're going to have, based on the poster that they released the other day as well, that you have Photon, you have Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. All of them are powerful individuals. So I'm wondering who the antagonist is going to be because they're going to have to be a pretty formidable one when you have three powerful characters sitting there, even though one will be clearly a little inexperienced with uh, Kamala and then you'll have another one with Monica trying to get a hold of the newfound powers that she has. But I'm just wondering who the antagonist is going to be in that film. Do you think they mix with the Thunderbolts? Right now, I don't see it. Hmm. What happened to the boy, the son of the antagonist in Miss Marvel show? Right now, he's just free. He's out in the he wind, right? He just ran was... away? I don't believe he died. He, he stayed. Whether or not we see him again is up in the air well maybe he might make an appearance in the marvels or might get mentioned about where his whereabouts are now but who knows filming on the fantastic four will begin within the next year and the current rumor is that they will be focusing the casting of the other characters around sue storm they want to get her done first for the rest of the dominoes to fall into place that seems weird well it's supposedly based on her interpersonal relationships with each of the members uh obviously her brother they'd have to have a good chemistry her love interest with Reed Richards also have to have good chemistry. So once they get their actress down, they believe the rest of the casting should be easy. But we'll see. I mean, I guess. But when I just think of the character, she's just kind of a basic female. At least and first images, you know? I'm tired of female leads having to have to have some sort of romantic intertwining with somebody. And I'm really fucking over it. I didn't like it during Miss Marvel for Kamala. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like it for that because it was her best friend who liked her, but is going to be going off to wherever for school. And then the new boy, the son of the female, who was the partial antagonist of the latter end of the episodes. And then it like off script, you know, off to the side. Wednesday Adams. They it was an unnecessary yeah. fucking like triangle there that she was forced into and then just kind of warmed up to it. Like I didn't like yeah. it. And then one of the the boy who could draw and make things come to life. One episode it was, "Hey, I really like you." And the next, "I should have left. I should have let so so and so take you or hurt you or whatever." Like, what kind of flip script is that bullshit? Like, I just a whiny bitch. I didn't like him. I couldn't stand any either of the fucking forced triangle things. And I really just want. I mean, like Captain Marvel was like the only film that didn't like only female lead that didn't have some sort of love interest in it. And I, but like that wasn't written as well as it could be. I liked it. But, like, there was just something about it, something about the writer that just didn't pull it in for me. And I feel like they could write really good fucking scripts with things without fucking forcing a love interest in it. I will say, though, at least for Fantastic Four, it's literally their 
whole team dynamic. Right. It's her brother and her future husband. And I get that. And that for that. But I want for like if they sit there and go into um, Black Widow's sister. I'm terrible with names. Elena. Elena. Yeah. If they do an Elena, a side Elena story, like just for her. Because I know the Black Widow film is meant to be Black Widow. But it was also a little bit of her because she fucking stole the show. I love her. And there was bits of her inside of Kate Bishop's fucking story. But, like, if they do a single movie for her or do her as a main, I want no love interest involved. Whether it be female or male, I want it fucking focused because the the actress is dope. And the way she portrays Elena, both in every situation I've seen her so far, has been absolutely excellently written. And she pulls it off so well. Do more with that character. Don't put in a love triangle. It's not necessary because they don't do it with the men fucking movies all the time. No. They just give him a bitch to fuck on the side and they just pass her. Even with Thor Love and Thunder, there's a montage of him with bitches and it's pushed past. We can't do that with women. <laughs> the next project that Yelena is supposed to be in is Thunderbolts. And the only relationship I can see them trying to develop a little bit further would be with her adoptive fake father, Red Guardian. And that I don't mind because he was he he had his own comedy chops to it too. And I like that actor. And I like what he did with the character, the whole like boasting shit. And he's going to be a level of ham that I absolutely appreciate. And I'm down for it. But she will be the supposed leader of the Thunderbolts team by the time that that movie rolls around. So that'll be the next confirmed project that we'll see her in. Will she make an appearance anywhere else? That remains to be seen. There was a fan poll of the top 10 characters that fans want to see in the live action DCU. The top 10 ended up being Nightwing, Martian Manhunter, Lobo, Brainiac, Deathstroke, Red Hood, Zatanna, The Court of Owls, Mr. Freeze, and Constantine. James Gunn saw that poll and says that five of those are confirmed to be coming. Well, I know Zatanna and Constantine, yes, of course. I vaguely recall some Lobo rumors. Tied to Jason Momoa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anything Jason Momoa was in. I'm even going to reluctantly watch the Fast and the Furious movie with him in it, just so I can see him. Mm. He's delicious. I actually refuse to watch um, the one with John Cena in it, because it feels <laughs> absurd. <laughs> John Cena reminds me of those Easter Island heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all I can see when I look at his face. It's so square. And it's like Cro-Magnum. And I will say that the DC films need to get Nightwing and Red Hood right because I will personally start a revolt if they do it wrong. The Titans show? Yeah, the Teen Titans one was rough. Jason Todd? Absolutely not. I reject him. He's not. No. He was cute. He was the guy who played Nightwing. Is that what you're talking about? Jason Todd? That's that one? That's no, Nightwing. no. Because I don't remember the names associated was... with the characters. So I know there's Nightwing. I know the Red Hood. I just don't remember who's the main... in behind the suits. The main guy in Teen Titans is supposed to be Dick Grayson, who becomes Nightwing. So yeah, ah, yeah, he's Nightwing. But the other Robin in that show was supposed to be Jason Todd, and he was fugly. Respectfully, he was not cute. I didn't and like how they wrote him. He is too angsty. Yeah. And, like, is kind of angsty, but, like... Yeah, but not in a good way in the show. No. But to go off of that, though, the long gestating Justice League Dark series that was this time going to be helmed by J.J. Abrams has reportedly been canceled. He was overseeing the development of several series and films that were connected. Madam X, who would be Xanadu for DC fans who are aware, uh, was the Mystic's first live-action appearance. She's usually been relegated as a supporting character in the comics and animated series but she would have been front and center of her own series 
that would have led to the Justice League Dark project after all the other series were to come around. Among those was projects based with Zatanna and Constantine, respectively. However, both of those have also been canceled. Wait, so how are they confirmed if they're canceled? Because you said no, that... No, 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 no. James Gunn confirmed that five of the ten aforementioned characters, didn't name which five, are confirmed to be coming to the DCU. We know that the only Constantine project that currently exists is the one that may be an Elseworlds project that has Keanu Reeves headlining that. However, a Zatanna project that had been long in gestation before his James Gunn's arrival is what has been canceled. The character herself may appear in a future iteration. So she still no might have... No confirmation of what or when she will show up. I have a question for y'all. Like, I want Granny Goodness. I think that would be fucking dope. If you were to pick a person to play Granny Goodness, who would you pick? Ooh, uh... Meryl Streep. <laughs> That's really good. Wait, was the Meryl Streep is the one from um, Devil Wears Prada? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's really, really good. I was gonna say like she's definitely has like the screen presence in terms of like performance. I was just trying to see if I could picture someone who visually looked menacing. You know what I mean? Since the depictions I've seen of Granny Goodness, she's kind of like a heavy duty looking chick. And she gets in in the thickness of action, which obviously that would be a little a thing. funny for but honestly, Yeah, but you know what though? A lot of action scenes are done by CGI now anyway in stunt doubles. So really, it's possible. All she yeah, has to do is just command the presence. Like you can, you could believe that this bitch commands armies. See, I was sitting here thinking that we could do a younger Granny Goodness because like, like not necessarily younger because the actresses themselves for the most part are of a certain age. Like Marissa Tomei, I think, would be a good bad guy role. She could play a good bad guy role if given the chance. And I think she could be a good granny goodness, especially younger granny goodness while still being older because she's 50. She's at least 50. She just looks good for 50. And there's nothing wrong with looking good for 50. But I'd, I'd want to see Marissa Tomei in a bad guy role and I think it'd be a good granny goodness. But your, but your mention, Spade, of um, the, the woman who plays the Devil Wears Prada, that whole, like, her whole attitude throughout the whole thing is definitely like, I got bad guy vibes. So I love that. Yeah, it's definitely. Oh, um, the one who played Cruella DeVille in the live action one, Glenn Close, her too, would be really good, I think, as Granny Goodness too. But I want Embrace a Granny Goodness character. <laughs> Embracer Group has five Lord of the Rings games in the works and says that they will release within the next two years. Confirmed are Gollum for consoles that should be arriving at the end of the year. Return to Moria, which is a PC-only crafting game similar to Deep Rock Galactic. The free-to-play collectible mobile RPG Heroes of Middle-Earth and another console game that's in the works from Weta Workshop. When you mentioned Golem, the, like, I was sitting here thinking, you know that, that um, I, I don't know if it's considered an RPG, but it's a simulation where you're a cat, you know, crawling around the city and shit like that, but there are, like, no humans around? Straight. Yeah, imagine, like, a Golem, but in, like, something like that, and it, but you start off with him just getting the ring. Like, he just killed his homie for the ring, and like you live his life through the slow degradation of his and his loss of self, like but stray why? Because you would he'd be avoiding as many of the other people as possible, trying to keep the precious to himself. You know what I'm saying? So something like that would be, I think, would be nifty. Some sort of weird simulation of Gollum. Has there been any more progress on Gollum? Is it like gold? Is it what? It's not gold yet, but. It came off of a recent delay and is now slated to come out in November, if I remember correctly. Millennium Media is reportedly making a new Hellboy movie as a script has already been written and filming is set for April. Mm. I am partial to Ron Perlman as Hellboy. I loved 
the whole thing. And I really, but I am also partial to the visuals. Was it Del Toro who did the, the second one? Yes. Yes, his visuals for that, Doc, the dress that um, the princess wore. I am absolutely jealous. I have wanted that dress for years. It is such a beautiful setup. The whole imagery of everything there. And then the story in it was just awesome to me. I loved both films for their own idiosyncrasies. And I, it wasn't too much of a fan of the, the second one. The first of the whatever newer live action one that came out. And the, the whoever actor that played it. I just wasn't a fan of the hokiness. But I've never read the comics. So I don't know how it reads. And whether or not it was truer to the comics the second time around. Or whether or not. I, I just liked the grungier of the first one. I liked Abe Sapien. I like the actor who plays Abe Sapien. Everything he is is dope. And he even played the mystic with the no eyes in the cave. In um, uh, Ken's Labyrinth. Yes. Yeah. He, he did that one too. But it, but in um, in the, the second Hellboy with the Ron Perlman one, he played the big winged character as well that took the metal piece out of his chest. You hardly ever see Doug Jones outside yes. of He's But he's so good in everything he does. He even played a Saru in discovery it's just so good i just I, he makes everything his own abe sapien with the smooth moves and then just the way saru walked it's just it he kept this just everything i love him as an actor he's great in makeup out he's just good i just love him what was hellboy recently added to i want to say i remember recall seeing like a game trailer where they added him as a playable character was it a fighting game yeah i feel like it's a fighting game most recent time i'll tell you there's two different times one the most recent time if it's a fighting game was injustice 2 and if it's a standalone project it was a game that was announced during the game awards i think that's what i'm thinking of because i want to say it definitely wasn't like fighting game but i do remember him being added to injustice that game is going to come out i believe in 2024 but the art style in the game was what was interesting about it when they yeah, did use it during the award show featuring a certain kind of art style was it Mortal Kombat that added the horror monsters, like Freddy and Jason? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they had Predator and Alien, too. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. And Leatherface. Yeah. Which one added Rambo? Uh, the most recent one, Eleven. Oh, okay. All right, all right. This media made the following anime series now free to watch entirely on its YouTube channel. The complete series of Sailor Moon, all eight seasons of Naruto, both seasons of Mr. Osamatsu. <laughs> All movies in the complete series of Inuyasha, all three seasons of Hunter x Hunter, Not bad. and all 37 episodes of Death Note, hmm. all without any extra subscription fee. You just go to their YouTube channel and start playing. There you played some of the Elder Otaku animes. Yeah, dude, it definitely appeals to me, especially when you said the Uniyasha shit. I'm going to sit there and fucking take a peek at it and look at me some Sashomaru. But you said 38 episodes of Death Note. I thought there was, there's definitely more than that, I believe. Think. Right now, it just said 37 episodes. Oh, okay. Roald Dahl's children's books will be republished with hundreds of changes to the original text to be less offensive to readers. Puffin Books have hired sensitivity readers to make changes to the classics like Matilda... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach, and more, so they can be enjoyed by all readers today. There will be extensive edits to text to change the physical appearance descriptions of certain characters. There will be omissions to text and the inclusion of entirely new lines not written by Dahl himself. Boo to that. I don't know how I feel about that. It feels wrong to alter things just because... People's sensitivities have changed. 
Yeah, because granted, like, of course, not all things from times past are okay. But at the same time, it's wrong to erase that from history because that's important to know how things were. Can yeah. you imagine, like, trying to sugarcoat any of the problematic things that have happened ever? When you take away something from the book, you take away the graveness of the situations that these people are put in. James and the Giant Peach is, is not a fun book it's meant yeah. to be daunting it's meant to make you feel the hopelessness in some of his situations the scariness in some of the situations when you start taking things out you take away the meaning and what the writer is supposed to portray now if you're doing like what is it huck finn where the character's name was n-word jim change that shit absolutely <laughs> there's no reason for the n-word to be that prevalent n-word jim I don't have a problem with you having his name changed, but you can't change too much of it because then you take away from the level that's there. Like there was heavy layered racism there and you can't take that away from that. You can't start editing books because then you're on the edge of banning books. And In like editing history. Right. And then you're, you're standing, this is going to be an entire generation of children who don't understand the gravitas of some of these things that these writers have created and granted some of them have you know basis in unnecessariness but for you to be able to read that and understand that it's part of the comprehension and for you to know and understand that that's not good that's the point of reading this book you're supposed to read it and understand and take from it what the writer was trying to tell you to take and even then there's whole classes based on some of these books and you're taking yeah. that away from people as well. There's there's a reason that these writers write that the way that they did, regardless of you know classism or, or whatever might be showing in there. If you start editing that, you you're literally taking what that was. What you do is you let them read it, and then you tell them this is why this happened. This is not good, but this is what this person was trying to make you feel in this. And when you take that away, you take away the meaning of the book. Yeah, besides them definitely not messing with an artist or storyteller's story, their message, whatever they're trying to convey, I also feel like it's important to have the flaws be there because it's important to understand that the mentality was different before. The world was different before. I have an issue with the integrity of the original artist's work being altered. All you need to do is do the same thing you do with cigarettes and other products that are considered bad or could be offensive is you could put a warning label on it if you need to. Listen, this book was written in a different time. However, we're maintaining the book in its, in the artist's original form. So leave it up to the reader to decide whether or not they're going to want to read it. But at least they will know that they might come across some inflammatory descriptions and such within it. Yeah, because that's the thing too it should be up to a person to decide what they want to read what they want to consume it shouldn't be all cut up for us if it's good enough for alcohol and cigarettes then it's definitely good enough for a book what you're also doing is trying to manipulate the reader into thinking how you want to think when you make edits that aren't approved by the writer themselves the writer sat there and made it to be a certain way. Like you said, put a fucking warning on it. But if you change it, you're trying to tell that person how to think and show that person to take something else from the book that wasn't intended. In this case, Roald Dahl has been dead for years. But the fact of the matter is, is that his books were dark children's books. They were written a certain way, written by him the way they were. And, you know, they weren't, he wasn't an American author. He was a European one. So whatever it was that, and however way he worded things was 
no different than giving descriptors of any character and anything like Stephen King describes the hell out of every scene and every person that's in every one of his books pages but do I care if you like in this case one example was they changed the word fat that described Augustus Gloop and changed it to enormous instead it's also so like you're nitpicking that's yeah that's catering so, to a no. sensitivity that might not sit there and have an issue with a book it's bullshit to me when people try to be was it social justice warriors for people who aren't looking for it yeah. like when people start to try to sit there and say oh this person can't do this because it's cultural appropriation you don't get to tell me how i feel about somebody dancing to salsa because i'm puerto rican you don't try to sit there and stand up for me i don't have a problem with people learning how to dance salsa why the fuck would you and it's coming from my culture so when you do shit like this you're literally like taking away a level of experience from a person that you shouldn't not that I'm saying that like all experiences are good and that you can learn from them but like when you read something your internalization your own like what's the word I'm looking for morals will be like holy shit this isn't right and it'll get you to think wow this person did it like this I would never do like that and that clicks something in your head and that's you self-teaching yourself a behavior and you're taking that away from these people, trying to force it upon them because people don't learn from what other people tell them. You learn this shit as a kid. Kids don't listen to their fucking parents. They'll listen to other people or they'll experience it themselves. Like the simplest thing would when you tell a kid, don't fucking touch your pot because it's hot. And then they touch it and they burn themselves and they learn, holy shit, don't touch something that's hot. This would be the same fucking thing. They'll read it and they'll be like, wow, this book is fucking racist. And then that's, that triggers a feeling in you and it corrects your behavior psychologically. Like, not just, you know, psychologically, but chemically. It's literally a correction in your own brain that you register yourself. And it teaches you, and it expands you, and it creates experiences for you to go out into the future. It takes that clicking moment away from your body, because a human body is programmed that way. Literally just programmed that way. You gain more from experience and from people telling you shit. I would also like to point out that changing the word for Augustus Gloop like not calling him fat even though he is literally supposed to be an embodiment of gluttony right is ridiculous and literally takes away he's supposed to represent gluttony just like all the children in that story represent some sort of negative behavior to which they get aptly punished right afterward as they travel through the factory Exactly. And not to mention the Oopaloopas, who are basically equivalent to like elves. Are we being sensitive to the way we call elves or dwarves or any kind of gnome fairy tale creature? We have to call them little people. You know what I mean? It's a fairy tale, it's not real. They're not. Changing the word only just sits there and tries to change the sensibility, and I think that's annoying. Going from fat to enormous makes him visually something different. You say enormous, I'm thinking of the chick who chews the gum and turns into a giant blueberry. That's enormous. That's the scope of my enormous. When you sit there and change the words, it changes the scope of what that person thinks of that word. So enormous is fucking house size to me. Yeah, in fact, even though I know they're changing it for negative connotations, it does sort of have to do with, you usually describe fat with consumption, like with eating. They kind of go together and that's specifically what that character is doing all throughout and that's specifically what gets him into trouble falling into the chocolate river and stuff yo he shows up to the chocolate place with chocolate bro <laughs> yo, he shows up very... to a fucking food factory with food bro the whole point is fat that it would be the best word to describe what that character is and what he's supposed to be portrayed as 
So changing it does, again, change the author's meaning and does change how people envision it. Lastly, Michelle Gomez and Georgia Tennant will return to the Big Finish audio story, Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, once and future, joining the Paternoster gang who will also return to reprise their voice roles and the late David Warner's Unbound Doctor. Hmm, that's interesting. I want her back on the screen, man. I, I want Gomez back on the screen. She was such a good Missy. It's my favorite. My favorite bad guy. It also was a good depiction of how you can cross the gender line with a Time Lord character who has been predominantly shown as male and not lose anything, even though I personally don't think the character of the Doctor's transition was as well done. I didn't care that the internet didn't want a female Doctor. I thought that was just dumb because there have been fucking histories of female Time Lords, so I don't understand what the hoopla was about. I feel like she was a badder bad guy than the other incarnations of the Master. Yeah. She had way more gravitas. She had, like, she, the way she played the Doctor was so well. The fir His first interaction with her, she played him for, like, days him thinking that she was a robot and her just fucking playing along. I loved it. Like, that was a span of at least a couple of days because there's no way that shit happens in just a day. Then every time she showed her face, it was great. When they captured her and had her in the airplane, that whole scene was just so good to me. My favorite bad guy in Doctor Who. Just mwah. Yeah, she definitely had a kind of playful menace that I feel like the master that came right after her tried to do and I didn't like his version either. It was too much. I found him hokey in some cases when he was meant to be menacing. Yeah. And I don't know, there was just something about he, when like he would hunch over to try to be menacing. It's the slumped shoulders that killed it for me. But I liked the Rasputin scene because that shit was funny to me. They shouldn't have approached another iteration of the Master until like a few other seasons had passed or a whole other incarnation of the Doctor. Yeah, they went to the Master well too much. Yeah, and immediately after, when her last appearance kind of made it sound like she couldn't regenerate. So, where the fuck did he come from? Never mind following her footsteps. She was uber popular in the show, and I think it was very proper that her run ends with that of the 12th Doctor at the same time. They came in and came out together. I did like that. I think they definitely should have waited at least a season or two between putting in another master. Because then that would have been like a holy shit, where the fuck he come from? You know, as opposed to like, what the fuck? Where the, where the hell did he come from? And that's a whole different type of what the fuck or what the hell, you know? It's just, it's not a good one. <laughs> and I feel like he could have been a good master. It just wasn't his time. There should have been a wider space between masters. That wraps it up for this week's episode. Tune in in a couple of weeks for our season finale. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you like the show, please follow us on your preferred platform. You can leave us questions and comments or shoot us an email at fandomsculturemurder at gmail.com. We appreciate every single one of our listeners. We want to let you know that we're humbled and honored and grateful to have you as an audience. Until next time, it's been Spade. It's been Feline and Al. Bye, guys. Stay safe out there. And thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all.